Welcome to Changed for Good, Life Elevated Through Christ with LSI Studios. In this podcast, we explore the ways in which Jesus Christ can make a lasting and elevated change in our lives. Because of Him, we can become more than we were and also receive grace for where we are on our journey. I'm your host, Britta Benyon. Okay, today we have um, Brother Mike Hyatt here with us, and I am so grateful that you are here and that you agreed to come on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I um, I was inspired by a testimony he shared in church the other day, and that is what um, kind of led to this. So I'm excited to hear more about your story. Why don't you start off by telling us just a little bit about you so the listeners can get to know you? Well, um, I grew up in Southern California. Um, early years, my parents, they, uh, they attended the Episcopal Church, one of the Episcopal churches in the area. And, of course, you know, I, I went along with them, and we had a separate little building for the kids. Mm. So we didn't disrupt the service. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, anyway, the, uh, as far as activity in the church, my parents went sporadically. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up uh, going more often. In fact, uh, when I was, uh, well, just before my teenage years, uh, I even became an altar boy. If, oh. if anyone knows, you know what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the little guys that stand on the side with the robes and and you know do all the supportive stuff. And and I enjoyed that. Growing up uh, in Southern California, um, I was not a a real healthy child, had severe mm-hmm. asthma, uh, which really, and I was dyslexic, so I wasn't the brightest kid in school, mm-hmm. um, but uh, things Im- improved over the years. Um, we were a typical family in the 50s, 60s, you know, and, and 70s, and after that, you know, you get into high school and start going in, in different directions. Yeah, now did you have any siblings growing up? Yes, I have uh, one sister mm-hmm. who's just a couple of years older than I am. And I have a younger brother who's 11 years younger than I am. Mm. Um, my sister is a horse trainer. Neat. And my brother works for uh, a company that supplies all the food to McDonald's worldwide. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah, it is. That's neat. Um, and what is some, what's, uh, have you done over the years with your, um, what are gro- some of your interests even? Yeah, growing up, um, when I got into high school, mm-hmm. um, Kind of two different directions. One, I, I wasn't the brightest kid on the block, and but my interests were still leaning towards music. Mm. And believe it or not, um, I had a lot of thoughts about religion. Mm. And in fact, my mom, uh, when I was younger, she told me that she was convinced that I was going to grow up to either be a minister or a musician. Mm. So, you know, go figure. <laughs> um, I ran track in, in high school. I, Excelled at that. Um, got into, uh, after I graduated, I went to junior college for a year. And then I went into the Air Force. Oh, neat. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. <laughs> my, my pleasure. Yeah, that's awesome. How long, were you in your, how long were you in the Air Force? Well, I was only in the Air Force for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, active duty. And then I uh, wanted to continue my education. And so I got out of the active duty Air Force, went into the Air National Guard. Mm. And it was during my Air National Guard years 
that I was introduced to the church. Hmm. And uh, that was a, a neat story all by itself. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can go there if you want. <laughs> oh, okay. Or if you want to finish well, something else, other thoughts. Anyway, after, you know, I, I, I spent about 30 years associated with the military because after the Air National Guard, I left and went on a two-year uh, full-time mission mm. for the church. For the church, okay. Uh-huh. And then I came back and continued my association with the Army National Guard at that point mm-hmm. and uh, retired out at uh, 30 years. So that's, that's the military. And that's where I was really introduced to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up after high school, I had you know various jobs, started off... Uh, as a dishwasher, like many kids mm. do, um, I moved on up. Oh, I, I promoted quickly, and I went to work for Baskin Robbins as a soda jerk. Oh, <laughs> so, very nice. <laughs> but uh, eventually I went on to work for a grocery store, uh, middle of the night stocking shelves. Mm-hmm. And I was very curious about uh, religion. I, in fact, I had explored many different churches. I had explored uh, when I was in high school. Let's back up. I was went to a Lutheran church um, as long as it remained fun, mm. know, which which is common. You know, if if there's an attraction there, um, you know, people will stay involved. But as soon as that attraction wears out, my experience was is that they kind of fell fell back. Yeah, fell mm-hmm. back away. Um, mm-hmm. But the questions always remained. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to a Baptist church. In fact, I even went to Church in the Park, which was a non-denominational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know much about the LDS church. Yeah. You know, back then we were still using the nickname Mormon. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy at work who I knew. You know, we were friends, and I knew that he was LDS. So one night, middle of the night, I was on one aisle stocking soap. He was on the other aisle stocking whatever, mm-hmm. and I yelled over the top of the aisle. I said, hey, Don, what can you tell me about the Mormon church? Can you put it in a nutshell for me? And he said, no, <laughs> <laughs> but I can take you someplace where they can. Hmm. So we made arrangements, and after we got off work one night, you know, about 8 o'clock in the morning, we jumped in his car and we drove into Los Angeles to the Los Angeles Temple Visitor Center. And being early, we got there right when they opened. It was, I think, early in the week. We were the only ones there. Wow. So uh, he introduced me to the church through probably one of the most effective ways that that we can or we could back then. Yeah. Uh, We've come a long way since then. So we we went in. We had the place to ourselves. Uh, A senior missionary was at the front desk and welcoming people. Mm -hmm. And he took us around. And things started falling into place because prior to that, I had always asked the questions of, of my friends, different churches. Mm-hmm. You know, I would ask, all right, I'm good. I stay good. I die. I go to heaven. Then what? And they couldn't answer it. Mm-hmm. And all they could come up with was, oh, well, you, uh, you, you. Sing praises to God forever. And as nice as that sounded, I knew that forever was a long time. Mm -hmm. So to my thinking, I I thought, well, 
I'd rather stay here on Earth and go to school <laughs> and learn stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but you know, it got pushed aside. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to the visitor center with my friend, the pieces started to fall into place. <laughs> I now had an understanding, a better understanding, let's say, of God, His Son Jesus Christ, the Scriptures, and and the history. And it really made sense. And I actually, at that, I was, okay, I'll believe this. But I didn't know that I was really supposed to do anything about it yet. Okay, yeah. So, and on our way out, this was neat. This senior missionary must have really been in tune to the Holy Ghost. Because mm -hmm. he looked at Don, and he asked Don, he said, are you a member? And Don said, yes, I'm a member. And he turned to me, and he looked at me, and he said, are you a member? And I said, no, I'm just curious. And what seemed to be a very big space of time, it was like he looked right through me, you know, into my eyes and head and heart. And he said, we'll get you. <laughs> now, what <laughs> possesses somebody who, a first-time visitor, you know, he didn't know me. He didn't know my attitudes. Yeah. My beliefs. What would, what would prompt him to do that. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think of looking back on it is the Holy Ghost. Hmm. I'm sure he wouldn't do that with just your average old, you know, visitors. Hey, let's go to the visitor center. But but it seemed to have an effect on you personally, right? Is that what you're saying? It did. Is, wow, that's so <clears throat> it, cool. It, it affected me personally. So mm. that's that stuck with me. So after that, I went into the Air Force, went to basic training, and because I had decided, okay, I'm going to believe what the Mormons believe. Mm -hmm. um, I attended a, a couple of church meetings with an LDS chaplain there at, uh, at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets really interesting as far as how I came to be, become a member of the church. After basic training, I went, I you know, took leave, went home for a visit before mm -hmm. going out to my first duty station. And I was instructed that I should, when I got off the airplane in Montgomery, Alabama, that I should call a certain phone number, and I was mm -hmm. given that phone number, and they said, call this number, they will send a car out for you. Hmm. Well, what did I do? I took a taxi into the middle of downtown Montgomery, which was not a nice neighborhood at the time, mm -hmm. to the bus station to buy a bus ticket to go out to Selma, Alabama to head west. You know, I completely forgot my instructions. Oh, no. Yeah. And, okay, sitting on a bench in my little dress blue uniform and my duffel bag and my guitar closely guarded behind, you know, right beside me. And mm -hmm. these missionaries were doing transfers, LDS missionaries. Oh, and wow. they came, I must have looked, I must have had a sign on my head that said, talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so they came over and, and asked me, you know, a couple of questions, and I told them about my experience at the visitor center. Mm. You know, like, hey, funny thing happened on the way to the airport, you know. And the elder gave me a business card, and he says, call these missionaries when you get out to your base. Mm -hmm. So that, okay. So I spent the first weekend, um, I even went to a Jewish synagogue. So I was, you know, kind of open-minded. And first day on the job, 
were in our office, and we had a, uh, he was a second lieutenant student pilot who had hurt his knee in a training accident. So he was not allowed to go fly, so they kind of stick you where you won't get into any trouble. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad way to put it. But uh, anyway, so we got to talking, and the usual questions, where are you from? And he says, I'm from Utah. You know, what? <laughs> are, you, are you Mormon? He says, why, yes. And I had to give him the story. Hey, funny thing happened on the way <laughs> <Yeah>. to Craig <laughs> Air Force Base. And he said, well, what are you doing tonight? And I said, nothing. And he said, would you like to come to family home evening? My response was, family home what? <laughs> and then he explained to me that the branch president, we were a little branch back then, um, had all the bachelors over for dinner on Monday nights. And who else gets invited to these things? Missionaries. <laughs> so I was introduced to the missionaries, and we, we set up, um, of course, I related my story again, and we set up the uh, appointments to start teaching me the discussions. Oh, that's so neat. So the, the branch is like a little church congregation. Exactly. I'm um, a small one. Yes. And then, so I want to go back real quick to your comment on how now this really gets interesting, because I think that you were essentially saying, look at how many points God was in this story, like how many times he was in there and you didn't realize it at the time, but, oh, whoops, I forgot to make that phone call. And now I came across these guys and, you know, like just so many little things and somebody hurt their knee. What happened? Somebody had an injury. And so then you met that person. Like, I just think it's so neat how God places things in our paths when we're really looking and yes. helps us find what we're looking for. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt. Yeah, and that's so neat. The more experiences I, I gather as I, as I age, um, I'm 100% convinced that that's what Heavenly Father did with me. Yeah. He knew that I had an open mind. He knew that I was looking and that I was basically honest in heart. Yeah. So oh, one of so my cool. mother's wishes came true. Because as you know, when you go out on a full-time mission... You're given a ministerial certificate. Mm-hmm. So, ta-da. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I'm still friends with that same pilot. Oh, We're cool. We're still very close friends. Oh, that is so neat. Yeah. I love that. So, the other question I had for you is tell me a little bit more. Was it Dan, the name of the gentleman that you first met that was a member of oh, the church? Oh, sorry. His name was Don. Oh, Don. Yeah. Um, and how did you... I mean, you knew each other through work, but was he, um, you know... a family guy, like he was there just working for the, I mean, could you tell me more about him? Do you yeah. know more about him? Yeah, Don was a, a single young adult. Okay. Um, I don't recall if he'd gone on a mission yet. My okay. perception is that he had. Oh, neat. Um, but he, he was single at the time. Yeah. Um, and you guys were just employees together. We were just together. employees. Yeah. And I, his behavior was different hmm. than, than the other guys. In there, I just noticed something about him, and then when, I don't really recall how I found out that he was LDS. Okay, okay, that's mm -hmm. you know kind of irrelevant at this point. Yeah, the good point is, his Heavenly Father made sure that I did find out, hmm. and I could ask a question because I was in that search mode. Yeah, that's so neat. So now you're um, in, at the Air Force Base, and you're taking the discussions mm -hmm. of. From the missionaries. Yes, taking the discussions. And if any of you remember back this far, uh, they were using 
flannel boards as visual oh, aids. <laughs> <laughs> and they built the little models of the church and foundation and little pyramid with different, you know, titles on it. Yes. And um, at that point, I still didn't know, you know, that I had to do much about my beliefs, um, take action at that point. But about the third lesson in, I was praying very, very hard, you know, before the missionaries got there to know, you know, if what they were teaching me was true. Because logically, it made sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, but I needed, I desperately wanted, well, what I wanted was the skies, the heavens to open and Moroni to come down in a pillar of light and float above <laughs> my floor in about a two-foot hover. And, of course, that didn't happen. But what did happen was all these imaginary little puzzle pieces that I perceived in, in my mind mm -hmm. all fell together and made a clear picture. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, that, it was, that it was true. So when the missionaries showed up um, for the third or fourth discussion, uh, we were in the barracks. Okay, I didn't have a roommate at the time, but we were in the barracks. And they came in and sat down and I said, I have one question for you two. And you, you know, that's my personality. I put drama <laughs> into everything. I said, I have one question for you two. And you could see the color almost drain out of their faces like, oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> and I said, when can I be baptized? <laughs> I'm sure the color came back. Yeah, it did. <laughs> after they caught their breath, they're pulling out their calendars and oh, trying, to, trying to set up a date. Um, yeah. But I did have one missionary just prior to that moment um, tell me, we were talking about baptism. Mm -hmm. And I had been sprinkled, you know, so-called baptized when I was a baby mm -hmm. in the Episcopal Church. And I said, well, you know, I've already been baptized. And he said, he, they explained the proper way to do it and the right authority to do it. Mm -hmm. And one of the missionaries said something that I'll never forget. He said, Brother Hyatt, you are now responsible for the knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. You are responsible and accountable for the knowledge that you have. And at that point, that's when I really prayed the hardest, and that's when I got my answers to begin with, to start the real journey. Which is, which is such a vital step, right? Is yes. that you are finding out for yourself, and you are the one in prayer, figuring yeah. it out, you know, and, and receiving those answers, not somebody else saying, this is what you should do, right? Yeah. Which, um, what a great example of that. I, I think you've alluded that, to that a couple of times, a few times, that you prayed really hard. You were really intent to know for yourself, mm -hmm. which yeah. is super important. I also learned another important um, lesson in that just because I was asking for Moroni to show up yeah. <laughs> and tell me it's true, <laughs> that I, I learned that Heavenly Father will answer our prayers in ways that we will understand them, whether it's, you know, bolts yeah. of thunder and, you know, crashing, uh, crashing waves it's it started me to learn that okay it can be quiet mm -hmm. it can be very personal but it will be definite yeah so oh that's so neat so 
why don't you tell us, um, I guess, so at this point, then you, you were baptized. Yes. So we, you know, set up the date. And one of the guys that had been coming to the family home evening, another student pilot, um, who had just joined the church shortly before I did, uh, I asked him if he would baptize me. Okay. And um, so he did. <laughs> and then after the uh, baptism, uh, you know, you go change and you come back into the room and they said, okay, who would you like to stand in on your confirmation? Well, of course, you know, I picked the two elders that, you know, that taught me and, of course, the guy that baptized me. And I think I was starting to point to a couple of other guys. My, my friend Herb, who's the one that introduced me to the missionaries, you know, previously there. Um, and I said... And him, he was the only black member in the branch, hmm. Brother Stevenson. And this was before the priesthood was given to oh. all worthy males. Hmm. And he just sat there with this smile on his face because he knew. And yeah. I said, the elders pulled me inside and the color was going out of their face again because they said, we forgot to tell him. Yeah. And they quickly explained it, but I had enough of a testimony to know. And a lot of it came from uh, Brother Stevenson's face. And probably his example, yeah. His example. Oh, um, that's so cool. I said, okay, you know, this is the way Heavenly Father wants it right now. Now, that's probably an exaggeration on the thought process, but I just, I just yeah. knew everything was okay. For you, it was, yeah, it was enough. To know you were yeah. right, and it was and okay. He went on to be uh, vice president of BYU student body. Oh, neat. He uh, went on to be a state president. <laughs> oh, so And cool. he just recently passed away. I wish I could have caught up with him. Oh, that's so so cool, though. What yeah. a neat experience. Um, now, was there, did you share this um, information with your family when you got baptized? I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> they were surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they thought, uh-oh, he's off on one of his little... You know, a little uh, extra journey. Yes. <laughs> there, he'll he'll be back to normal soon. <laughs> and you know, I I came home and my mom asked me a question. She said, "The Mormons have pretty high standards. Can you live up to that?" <laughs> and I s said, "Well, I won't know till I try." Yeah. And I left it at that. Now, my mom and dad go. never did really warm up to me joining joining the church. My mm -hmm. dad was kind of antagonistic about it. My mom was mm -hmm. tolerant, but, you know, she was, I think, just uh, corralling her feelings mm. towards it. Mm -hmm. And as the years passed, you know, I think they both realized uh, at some point that, well, <laughs> maybe this is going to last with yes, him. Yes, yes. And they couldn't huh. deny that it was having a good effect on me. Right, which is neat. Now you, so, I mean, you said you were there... At the Air Force Base for 30 years? No. Or at least, I'm sorry. Okay. In um, the... Yeah, let me clarify a little bit. Yes. I was at that Air Force Base uh, for about a year and a half. Okay. And then I wanted to further my education in ways that I could not while I was right. there. It just wasn't available. So I got out of the active duty Air Force, went into the Air National Guard back in California, right. okay. where I would do one weekend a month two-week uh, summer training, and um, that's when I tried to pursue that. So right. over the next 30 years... 30 years was the career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, again, most of it was, was spent in uh, 
in the reserves. Okay, mm-hmm. the once you know one week in the month, two weeks out of the summer, that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. There was um, a couple of active duty uh, stints in between there, where I was actually on active duty for you know for periods of time. But um, it wasn't, you know, 30 years straight at Craig Air Force Base. Right, right. (laughs) In fact, Craig is closed now. It's a ghost town. Oh, interesting. Well, as I said it, I was like, well, probably not there. But, right, over over the span of 30 years, you were... career yeah. essentially I guess you could call it that but yeah it's a little side career now you have a, a lovely wife Linda I um do. where did she come in oh <laughs> <laughs> to the story one, one of the um young men again a student pilot uh was actually asked to be uh, a fellowshipper <laughs> for me because they knew how I was at that critical time you know when I could either ditch the whole thing Mm-hmm. you know, and, and leave the church or establish that foundation. Mm. So a uh, good friend of mine, his name was Jim Jones. And uh, tall, lanky kid, barely made it into, into pilot school because he was almost too tall. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> kept hitting his head on the canopy and the jets. And <laughs> yeah. He didn't like that. Anyway, but Jim really did take me under his wing. He, re- he, he helped me to learn um, the culture, the people, um, and then he taught me a real important lesson. One, one weekend we were going to drive from Selma, Alabama up to, um, Memphis, Tennessee to visit a a friend of his from college. Mm -hmm. Drove all night, got lost. And at, I think it was about three o'clock in the morning, we stopped and Jim looked up the bishop's name of the ward that his friend was in. And he turned to me and he said, only in the church can you get away with this. <laughs> Calling somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, hi, we're here, we're lost. And <laughs> the bishop's wife answered the phone and she said, oh, we've been expecting you. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> we, we got hooked up with it, with his friends and... And spent the weekend, but he, that was the whole thing. He went to a phone book, looked up the ward, and by back then they were actually printing the bishop's name and phone number. Cool, yeah. You know, in the in the white pages, and he he called, and everything you know fell into place. We had breakfast, did some fun stuff over the weekend, <laughs> but when I <clears throat> came out of the active duty Air Force, went to the Air National Guard, my very first uh, annual training with that unit uh, was in Boise, Idaho. Hmm. So when I got there uh, on base at the, in Boise, I remembered that advice. Only in the church can you get away with this. <laughs> so I dropped my bags um, in the barracks, went downstairs to a payphone. Mm-hmm. It's when they still had payphones. And looked up, oh, look at here, Boise State University college branch and I called them yeah and they they hooked me up with another fellowshipper mm-hmm. and I had something to do every night practically uh, the two weeks I was there I was adopted by the Boise State um, College branch wow. um, it was great like my, my friends in the unit they 
Mike, where are you going all the time? You're never here at night. And I said, I have friends. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, that's cool. Went to a uh, Pioneer Day picnic mm-hmm. through the Institute. Mm-hmm. And uh, the young man that was kind of fellowshipping me while I was, while I was there um, introduced me to a beautiful young lady. And I like to say who, <laughs> who had fallen into the root beer barrel and I rescued her, but that's not true. <laughs> she was standing by the root beer barrel <laughs> and we were introduced and we spent some time together while I was there, went hmm. to Institute, did some activities with her and that's, and that's how we met. And that was, uh, good grief, what, two years before my mission, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we so, st- we stayed in touch. Yeah, I went on a mission. Uh-huh. Left uh, left the Air National Guard. Went on a two year mission to Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, came back and asked her to marry me. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. What a neat story. I love that, <laughs> and I love how you were. I don't know. You just kept in touch all those years because it was what four years before yeah. you officially got married. So yeah. four years. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, Interesting is not a good word for it. It was wonderful <laughs> because our our letters. Now, in all fairness, she had the easy end of it. <laughs> all the guys that she was dating were named Mike. Oh. Yes. So any any letters going out, she didn't have to worry about mixing up names. <laughs> you know, here's Elder Hyatt sitting in his little apartment in Pennsylvania, gets a letter and it says. Dear Fred, <laughs> so I, she didn't have to worry about that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, cool. So um, I like that you brought up the fact that you had fellowshippers. You have people who were um, putting their arm around you and helping you. Because one of my initial thoughts when you're explaining how you um, learned about the church and then joined it was, okay, now how did you stay strong? in your testimony that you had gained, right? Because that's something that we all go through at one point. We have to come um, to our own knowledge of the truthfulness of the gospel in order to gain a testimony. But then you want to keep that testimony, right, that you've gained. And if you aren't doing things that help you maintain it, then it's it's easy to lose. You can start to almost forget those strong experiences that you had with the Spirit or Otherwise, that that really cemented in your um, knowledge of the gospel. And so I think that that, it sounds like, was a key key point in you um, keeping your testimony that you had gained. Whereas those people that kind of just helped you out, put put their arm around you, were were a friend. You are very perceptive. (laughs) Um, And that's exactly, exactly what happened. the fellowshippers were there as uh, as a support, mm-hmm. someone to lean on, someone to ask questions of. Yeah. But it was my my budding testimony and those little experiences, those tangible, I can remember that exact moment when something happened mm. that kept me going. And I, I'm no different than anyone else. There were times when I read something or something was said to me that kind of rattled my cage, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and made me wonder 
and I like to say for a short time, but it made me wonder, yeah. is this really true? Mm-hmm. And all I had to hang on to, and I'm, I'm very blessed that my Heavenly Father helped me to hang on to, were those little building blocks of experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay, why did I have that, that experience of the imagery of the puzzle pieces all coming together? When I was praying in my barracks, so you know, cool. my little my little room. Yeah. Um, what about you know some of the other things that I had felt? Okay. So, um, I learned not to jump to conclusions when I heard something negative hmm. about the church, and believe me, there was a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's what kept me hanging on, and as I gained those building experiences in in the church and the gospel, uh, experiences with the Holy Ghost, that made it much easier for me to, when something popped up that would be derogatory against the church or something uh, where someone <laughs> claims that they found you know, something bad, mm-hmm. I learned not, not to uh, be too concerned about it. Mm-hmm. That Heavenly Father would help me find the answer to those questions or those challenges eventually on his timetable, not mine. And Mm -hmm. that built in a big comfort pillow for me. Yeah. You know, so now when something pops up, uh, it's almost, you know, kind of a attitude of, ah, been there, done that. You know, what else do you have to throw at me? Yeah. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't phase me anymore. Mm. But I think that's so powerful that you were able to to hone in on that um, initially and realize that answers come in time and that um, just from one negative comment or experience or something like that doesn't mean everything that I've learned up to this point is now wrong or whatever, right? Like it's, it's something that you, you knew, um, well, that's a question I have and or that's an interesting piece of information. I don't know what to do with that yet. Let's see, you know, over time, what, or you can keep praying about it, right? Like, yeah. and God is our, our true source for all answers Yes. Um, and truth. And so, but I love that you say it, and this is true, that <laughs> he will give it to us in our time. Yeah. And when, and when we're ready to understand it, I think that even applies to what you were saying about how he speaks to us personally um, in a way that we'll understand. And I think that's true about our understanding of certain things, like um, he will give it to us when we are at that level of ready to to understand or to take it in. Exactly. That's really neat. Yeah. And I, and I had my share of people trying to save me from the Mormons. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Some people thought that I was lost forever, you know, that I was doomed to the depths of hell. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and all I could do is smile and, and think to myself, if you only knew what I know. Mm-hmm. And, and and push on. Yeah. So what can you tell me about um, how your life is different now um, and over the years from the way that you've been able to um, build that relationship with Christ through through the covenants you've made and the, um, the steps you've taken? Um, start off by saying that, you know, in, in the days before I joined the church, my understanding of God and Jesus Christ were minimal. Um, 
the churches that I had attended and the other people that I had talked with, they all had good intentions, but they could not give me any in-depth answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there had to be something more. And then that all changed when I went to the visitor center with my friend Don, um, yeah. where I learned that that God, our Heavenly Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, are physical, tangible beings. They're exalted, yeah. but they're, they're physical. If I was in a worthy state, I could shake hands with them. I could hug them. And that gave me such a, a, a wonderful perspective to build a relationship with my father and his son. Yeah. And... Because of that, my testimony, my belief, my knowledge has grown tremendously. Mm. Now, that relationship that I have um, affects everything that I do now. Yeah. Um, it's really yeah. hard to put into words, but there's a feeling of, I know who I am now. Mm-hmm. I'm a son of God. I have an older brother named Jesus Christ who put into motion the plan of salvation and exaltation, that I can do more than just sing praises (laughs) forever. And having that relationship, and it might be different for for other people, but this is what's helped me. It's having that relationship has given me such a foundation that things that would trouble or crush other people don't affect me anymore because mm. I know that this life it's a learning experience it's temporary it's school with some exams th- and pop quizzes thrown in for <laughs> for fun <laughs> but I have knowledge that my family can be together yeah. that the family unit will continue after this life and that I have I I also know that because of Heavenly Father opening doors I met my beautiful wife mm. I can't imagine anything really without her yeah so, that's funny uh, yeah and, and it's growing it really yeah. is it's 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 growing all the time uh, it gets stronger and stronger just when you think well I can't have any stronger testimony or belief or knowledge Mm. heavenly father pops up with something neat and new yeah it's like line upon line Mm -hmm. precept upon precept yes you can't take the graduate study course until you've taken the the entry level course yeah yeah oh that's so beautiful so is there a story or any um thing you want to end with of a way that that knowledge and that relationship with Christ um, has blessed your life. The one that comes to mind at the moment is really not a story or an event, but more of a uh, more of a comfort. So many people go through life wondering what's around the corner. You know, wondering. And I'm going to use this example. I know I have so many friends that have gone through divorces, mm-hmm. you know, from their spouse, you know, either cheating or going off the deep end in, in some other way. Mm-hmm. 
And before I joined the church, that was a concern of mine also because of just basically behavior and how people were presenting their their personalities. You know, um, they look they look for happiness. They think they may have found it, but it is so shallow and so empty. It cannot last. Hmm. And having my relationship with my Father in Heaven and Jesus Christ has eliminated all that doubt and uh, mistrust. Mm -hmm. I know that not everyone's going to, to accept the restored gospel, but I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry, you know, are my friends going to stab me in the back? Yeah. Or is my wife going to go do something that would would separate us? You know, am I going to go do something? That's that's the other part. Yeah. Is yeah. I don't believe that I have ever given her a reason to mistrust me, mm-hmm. and I have spent a lot of time away from home, on assignments, mm-hmm. on business trips, on you know military stuff. Um, and I haven't given her a reason to doubt my my faith, my loyalty, and my commitment to her. Yeah. We were sealed in a temple in Salt Lake City. You know, we mm-hmm. knelt across from each other, and I still remember like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So when I'm away and I see people doing dumb things because they're away from their spouse, mm. That's not me. Yeah. Well, and you've said it a couple of times now where you've, you've said it's um, because of the knowledge you've gained in your testimony and where you are now with Christ. Um, it's changed the way your life is moving forward because you aren't, you don't have to worry about certain things anymore and you don't have to um, question certain things anymore or they don't bother you anymore like all these little and I think it's sometimes those are hard things to recognize as blessings of living the gospel right but but it's so true because there's so many little things that that could be a part of our lives but we don't have to worry about as much anymore we don't have to it doesn't become a, a huge uh, dynamic I guess um, that we have to navigate and just last month, President Nelson gave an amazing talk, um, the prophet of our church, and I loved I loved what he said. I just wanted to read this part real quick. He says, living the doctrine of Christ can produce the most wonderful virtuous cycle, creating spiritual momentum in our lives. As we strive to live the higher laws of Jesus Christ, our hearts and our very natures begin to change. The Savior lifts us above the pole of this fallen world by blessing us with greater charity, humility, generosity, kindness, self-discipline, peace, and rest. So I love that. I think it's like it almost sums up what you've said because he's he's explaining there that that's what the Savior does. He lifts us above what what we might have to deal with. I guess is a way to say it in this life. Um, and I. I can testify of that too. I've seen that in so many ways in my life. It doesn't make mean that life's easier <laughs> or that the challenges are gone, but but I feel like those higher laws and, and living them, it lifts us a little bit above and helps us have some of these attributes or at least a little bit more of them <laughs> than we'd had before 
um, those Christ-like attributes, and it makes all the difference in our lives. So thank you so, so much for your for your testimony, your example. You're a wonderful um, member of our, of our church in our current congregation. You lead the music, and you work with the primary children, teaching them, which is wonderful. It's such a blessing having you um, serving and teaching the children, um, along with many others that do the same, but it's, it's a, it's a service that, um, you're, you're living out that ministry, right? (laughs) That, um, that your mother alluded to even, um, outside of your mission, you know, it's an ongoing, I think, ministry, um, throughout your life. So thank you for, for who you are. (laughs) Thank you. And, and thanks again for your time. I appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank our guest again for being here today. I pray that as you listened, the Spirit whispered to you the specific actions you can take as you move forward in your daily life. I know Christ is there and that following those promptings will bring you closer to Him and to lasting and elevated change. May God be with you in your journey. To find out more, visit us at lsistudios.com and to learn more about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, visit comeuntochrist.org or reach out to us.